Thank you for listening to the Celebration Church podcast. For more information about Celebration Church, go to ccacron.org. There you will find information about our church, upcoming events, and how to make a contribution to the ministry of Celebration Church. We hope this message is an encouragement to you. Hallelujah. I want to share about Acts chapter 2 and Acts 120. Actually, I want to share about Acts 120. I'm going to do it from Acts chapter 2. So if you've got your Bibles, you can go to Acts 2. But uh, I want to call your attention to Acts 120. Last week, we kind of gave you a sneak peek to this, and uh, we're going to do that, uh, give you the full full version uh, today. But a couple of weeks ago, uh, just to share where this is coming from, a couple of weeks ago, our, our leadership team met, our core team met, and um, just really asked the Lord, Father, we thank you for what you've done in the past three years. You know, we've seen God do a lot. Uh, Heather and I have been here for three years. I was laughing this morning. I, I had, uh, during worship, I had this flashback of beige walls and a grand, little baby grand piano, and, and uh, my, how things have changed. And we've got Tony's wonderful, thank you, Tony, wherever you're at for the, all the Christmas decorating around. Her and her team do a great job. Thank you. It's awesome. Yeah, kind of a lot louder. <laughs> we've, <laughs> no, I'll just keep going. I'll keep going. Um, but uh, anyway, so we just said, Lord, thank you for what you've done in the past three years. But Lord, what, what are you saying? And there was a stirring in the room. Um, that God was challenging us, calling us higher, taking us deeper, and uh, really just wanted to say, Lord, what, what is it that you're doing in our church? Where are we headed next? How do we go to the next level of the vision that you've given our house? Acts 1-8, you will receive power. when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses. That's, that's our vision. That's, that's the direction the Lord has given us, and we're doing that. We're seeing that happen every week. It's powerful. Love it. I love, love, love to see what God's doing in our house. Um, seeing the people just randomly show up, getting born again, getting delivered. Seeing people that have been in church for years, growing and developing. Uh, it was funny. I was just, I was having a conversation random. Have you ever had one of those God moments where you just, you ran into somebody somewhere and you were like, this is a God moment. This is a out of the blue. Can I just share one of my un, un, out of the blue? I won't give any names or information, but a couple weeks ago, Heather ran into this person they used to attend here uh, right when we first got here and ran into this person out of the blue and they were updating us on, on what was happening in their world and what was going on. And I just thought it was, you know, how, how awesome, you know, to hear that God's moving and, and doing things in people's lives, and uh, it was a great story, and I thought, okay, God, thank you for that. It's good to know they're, they're okay and in a, in a church and growing and know this story, and then, uh, what was it, Friday, Friday during the day, I ran into the same person, myself, uh, again, I'm like, okay, God, I get this. This isn't just a random coincidence. This is your speaking here. You're getting our attention here. So we had another great long hour and a half conversation at Walmart. <laughs> you have great conversations with people at Walmart, you know. And, uh, and I don't go to Walmart often, but it was, you know, again, another God coincidence. And cool to see how God worked that out. And, um, you know, you just never know. Um, how God orchestrates all of the details of your life. Yeah. 
but he, he has a plan. I, I'm, I know I kind of got off Acts 120 for a moment. I just want to encourage someone this morning. You may look at the details of your life and say, God, I don't understand why this worked out the way that it did or how this happened, how this went down. But God has organized every little detail and has, he'll use the weirdest people to accomplish his plan. You know, how many of you are weird this morning? You have some idiosyncrasies. We all do, right? We, we all have those little, those little things that are just weird, and we would never be the, well, hopefully, we would never be the top pick on our own list, right? That God handpicks us the, the, the foolish things of the world. He chooses us and confounds the wise. So it's awesome. So just be encouraged today um, in that, that, you know, the Lord just directs the steps. He's directed the steps of our church and we've, we've seen incredible things happen, um, just the number of salvations, people being baptized in the Holy Spirit, people being healed, delivered. It's amazing to see what God is doing. And uh, I believe this, this coming year, um, I wish, you know, it's one of those things I wish I could describe for you what I feel. And we talked a little bit about it in our party on Friday that, you know, it's one of those things that you can't really put your finger on, but you know that God's doing something. And there's been, I don't know if you've noticed this over the past few weeks, there's been a distinct atmosphere change, a shift in the spirit world of what God's doing in our church. And uh, there's, there's a stirring, unlike anything that we've seen yet, um, and, and you just can't really put your finger on it. You can't really describe it, but you know God's doing something. And so I would encourage you just to step in, be a part of all that God's doing. And that Acts 120 is, that's how Acts 120 was birthed. We said, Lord, what is, what is next? And the Lord dropped this in our heart based on how many people were in the upper room on the day of Pentecost? 120. Start out with how many? 500. And it dwindled down to 120. But God used those 120 to shake the world. The whole world, the Bible says, was turned upside down by these people. Amen. And so I believe uh, that God wants to do the same here in Akron in the Great Lakes region. He's going to use you and I to turn this region and the world upside down. Are you ready? Are you ready? I am. I'm, I want to be a part of that. And uh, we're seeing those things come together. So anyway, um, what we're believing for, Acts 120, 120 people uh, who will A, commit to membership, 120 people committed to membership, 120 people committed to tithing. 120 people committed to serving and 120 people committed to discipleship. Hopefully you got this card. Uh, but 120 people who are members, people who will say, this is my church officially, who will, who will join the church and say, this is my church. God's called me to this church and I'm gonna be rooted and planted in this house and see what God has for me in this house. And if you're not a member and wanna become a member, there's a place on the card for you to mark that. Um, so that we can get to know you and, and make that happen. The second thing is tithing. People who are not just committed to talk about tithing, but people who are actually tithers. Amen. Amen. People who are not just talking about tithing or giving tips or, uh, you know, little drop in the buckets for the Lord, but people who are actually tithing. Biblical tithers. And so I want to encourage you in that, in this, in this coming year, that you'll be a biblical tither. And then those who are serving, we, re, we do really well in this area. I would say we have probably anywhere between 75 and 90% of our congregation serving somewhere in a ministry somewhere. And that's, that is higher than any 
any statistic anywhere in church. And I have people ask me all the time, how do you do that? And my simple response is, is that people will volunteer in the day of your power. And Psalms, you know, when God's moving, people volunteer. And uh, I want to encourage you to volunteer and, and get involved. Find your place, connect, and serve, engage. That's where you really find, you know, I was watching, uh, I don't know if she's here. She's probably up sitting by her husband, but Dawn, um, she might be working. Is she working? She's working. Oh, okay. Um, but watching Dawn at Friday night um, serve in the kit, you know, she's washing dishes, but she's become part of the family washing dishes. How many of you know you've got to be a part of the family to wash dishes? <laughs> and she was washing dishes. It was awesome to see her back there serving, cleaning up. And, you know, that's, that's what it's all about, just connecting, finding your place. It might be washing dishes or it might be leading a care group. Whatever it is, you find your place and you serve. And then discipleship. This is more than just, you know, talking to people in church. This is finding someone we're believing that by Easter, Easter is kind of the deadline that we have set, I guess you could say, the time frame, uh, but we're believing that by Easter, 120 people will reach 120 people for Christ, that at one person, you'll find your one person, reach them for Christ, and make a disciple out of them before Easter or on Easter. Easter Sunday is going to be a soul-winning service, so maybe it's just getting them to Easter Sunday, and the journey goes from there. But, but start somewhere. Can, can you do that? Is this, can, can we live biblical lives? Can we, can we have a biblical life and do this? This is, this is biblical Christianity, basic Christianity, that we, we're a part of our church, we're tithers, we're making disciples, we're serving, and, and I want to encourage you to do this. And so what I'm going to ask is that you complete this card. If you did not get this card, can you just raise your hand? A couple of our interns are going to make sure you get them. So um, if you guys... and guy and gal, sorry, if you can hand those out. It's ushers. If you have some as well, feel free to help. But uh, we're going to pray over this and fill this out together, and then the ushers are going to collect these. But um, let me kind of run through this for you as you're completing. I'm a member, or I want to become a member, either one, just check that. If you're already serving somewhere, you can fill in where you're serving or where you want to serve. Maybe you're serving somewhere and you don't want to serve there and you want to serve someone else. You can write that on there. You know, whatever the case is, you got a back of the card you can help explain. Who are you praying for? Um, for salvation. We want to come into agreement with you on who you're believing your one person is. You know, maybe you don't know who your one person is. Maybe that's part of your prayers. Lord, I've never, I've never really engaged in asking who is this one person. Maybe that's a question you've never asked before. And, and you want us to pray with you that you'll find your one. We'll just write that in. And then on Easter Sunday, we're going to take a miracle offering. One of our leaders um, threw this uh, out and said that they had felt like God was challenging them to pray and believe God for $100,000. And so, I, you know, I agree. I come into agreement with that, and, and our whole leadership team agreed with that. And so we're believing that on Easter Sunday, we're going to have a miracle offering of $100,000. And you say, well, is that even possible? It is absolutely possible. God is able to do that. The resources to accomplish that are right here in this house. There's, there is $100,000 before Easter sitting right here in this house. And uh, it's, it's saying, Lord, give me eyes of faith. Give me eyes of faith. That might mean that you have to cut out some Starbucks or Wendy's or McDonald's or whatever. You might have to, hallelujah, you might have to come cut out some of those things and make room. Make room, make room, prepare a house for the Lord. We talked about that last 
two weeks ago, preparing room for his presence. So you might have to prepare room, but ask the Lord, what is it that he would have you give? And just write that amount in. We want to believe that, that God's going to give us in pledges, $100,000 in pledges. So um, ask the Lord to, to speak to you what that amount is. But you've got now until April 1st. So basically you got four months. So um, ask the Lord what that looks like in the next four months. And then just put your name so we can be praying with you. But um, we've already, it's interesting. You know, when the Lord speaks to you, God, he, he handles all the details. We already have had money coming in towards this, Acts 120, this miracle offering for Easter. People are already designating offering. We're already getting pledges. It was funny, someone turned in a pledge uh, this past week, and I was, it, just random conversation, they brought it up and said, you know, when you first said on a Wednesday night we were going to do this, the Lord spoke to me exactly the number that I was supposed to give, and I tried to talk God out of it because <laughs> I didn't think that that was even possible. And so I wrote down the number. Last Sunday, they turned in the pledge after we talked about it again and said the Lord just kept saying, no, this is the number. This is what you're going to give, and I'm going to make it happen. And so this is, it's going to stretch your faith. It's going to say, you know, that number stretched that particular person's faith. That was kind of outside of their comfort zone. And, and that's what faith pledges are, are all about. They're kind of outside of our comfort zone. That's why it's called a faith pledge. So I want you to hear from the Lord about Acts 120, who it is that you're going to reach, how much you're giving, are you committing to tithing? And I, I want to pray for you as we do this. So I know some are already filling this out. You've been praying. Others of you, this is new. This is the first time you're hearing this. But I want to pray for you, pray for our church family together as we embark on this Acts 120 challenge together. If you have any questions about this, feel free to call our office, uh, catch us after service, and we'll, we'll catch you up and help update you. Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, thank you for this challenge of Acts 120, Lord, that you're calling us higher, you're taking us deeper. And so, Lord, as I lay hands on, on this Acts 120 card as a, as a point of contact, Lord, for every person in this room, in this congregation, Lord, that is uh, completing this challenge, it's partaking, Lord, in this, in this fleece, Lord, in this challenge that we've set before you. Lord, we pray for your blessing and your anointing on it. We ask, Father, that you would fulfill exactly what you've promised, Lord, exactly what you've set in our hearts to accomplish. Lord, that which you've, you've spoken, Lord, you will anoint us to do. Lord, you will prosper our ways as we commit them to you. And so, Lord, we have heard from you. We've committed our ways to you. And Lord, now we ask for the harvest. We ask you, Lord, for the increase, that which you've spoken, you will do. Lord, in your people, Father, as they begin, some of them even giving their way out of poverty, Lord, that they would be blessed beyond their wildest dreams and imagination, Lord, that you would do more than they could ever ask, think, or imagine, Lord, that they would be abundantly blessed, Lord, the, the yoke of poverty will be broken off of their lives, and generosity will begin to flow from them. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for your abundant blessing on every person involved, Lord, every person that gives, every seed that's sown. Every, every disciple that's made, Lord, every person, Lord, that sows, Lord, in, in Acts 120 will see increase and harvest in their lives, breakthrough in the name of Jesus. Lord, I just speak that, Father. Yes, Lord, that, Lord, that breakthrough, breakthrough anointing, Lord, like David said, that it was like waters breaking over me. Father, that your rushing, mighty rivers of anointing would break over them, that every stronghold, every 
bondage is broken. Every lie they've believed is broken. Everything that's limiting and holding them back is broken in the name of Jesus. Lord, that they'll begin to walk in the promises that you've given to them in the name of Jesus. We thank you for it. Amen. Amen. God bless you. I'm going to ask our ushers to go ahead and collect those cards. You can just drop those in the uh, offering plates as they pass by, and we'll get those uh, processed and be praying for you, believing for God's breakthrough with you. Amen? Amen. 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 I, Pastor Grace, can, I'm going to totally put you on the spot here. Can you, can you come up while they're collecting those? Can you just share? Last week was phenomenal. I don't know. If you missed last Sunday's service, you need to get, it, you need to get the live stream, um, you know, watch it on Facebook, on the stream, or on our podcast. It was a phenomenal service. And, um, you know, Mike and I were talking after, and, and if you were here, you know, we had the service, worship was great, service was, was great. When I'm talking about great, it's n- nothing to do with what man was doing. It was all about God was in the house. Um, and it was one of those Sundays, and I don't know if you, for those that were here, if you noticed this, but, but at one point this past week and the week before, it was kind of like everybody involved in ministry on the platform, just kind of stepped back, and it was like God was the center of attention, and, and that's really what it has been, and that's what we want. It was awesome, and, and we poured ourselves out in praise, is what we were doing. We were pouring out our praise. We were, we'd become like, like Mary at the feet of Jesus, pouring out our praise on his feet. We'd broken up our alabaster boxes, and we were pouring out our praise. And, and we spent the whole service pouring out, pouring out, pouring out our praise, learning what, what praise is all about. And then at the end of service, it was interesting because the Lord just um, spoke to me and just said, it, it wasn't even one of those, I want you to give an altar call. It was just, I just want you to just step in. We had been praising, praising, and I want you just to come in and let me pour back. And so I looked at Mike and I said, can you just give me a sustained C? I just, just a sustained C were no songs, just C. And they put, you know, had the cord, you know, C. And for an hour, for an hour, we stayed on a sustained C as the glory of God just settled in on the place and people on their faces before the Lord. And it was awesome. Uh, for an, and people don't stay after services for an hour unless God's there, right? You know, where they're ready to get to Bob Evans. So, um, so it was awesome. Awesome, awesome. Pastor Grace shared a, a, just something that the Lord spoke to her um, in service. So can you share that? Yeah, absolutely. So I was, um, it was in that moment of I was up here worshiping and, you know, I just kind of stepped back, you know, which, which I don't do often, but, but I just felt like there, you know, we were beyond the place where I needed to, to stir people up. We were at the place where we'd all just needed to get in a little deeper and settle in. And so I'm, I'm, I don't know if I was sitting or if I was kneeling or if I was laying, but I was on the stage and I was back here and I, I started smelling this scent. <laughs> I was like, God, what is that? Like, I, that is so familiar. It's this scent. And so I started, I started thinking, and I, you know how you do that where you rack your brain and you're like, what? I know that sin. I know that sin. I know it is. And God spoke this word, ahava, to me. And I'm like, what? That is so weird. And then, I, then he reminded me when I was in Israel visiting um, at the Dead Sea, they've got this um, line of products that all, it's called ahava. And that was the smell I was smelling. And I'm like, 
That's the most random thing for you to remind me of, Lord. Wow. Some lotion from the Dead Sea. Okay. <laughs> what are you doing? <laughs> so I, I pulled my, my phone out because my Bible wasn't next to me, and I'm like, Lord, what is this? So I begin to look up the word ahava, and in Hebrew, it means the, the committed love. <laughs> it means the deep affection love. And so I felt like in that moment, as soon as I, I read that word, God was saying to me, I'm calling my church out of the Raya love, because the first love is the Raya love, the friendship love, the love that's just the, hey, you're my buddy, you're my pal, we're, we're hanging out, you know, you know how friends are. It's a little different than your relationship with your spouse, right? Or, you know, or your mother and father, if you don't have a spouse or, you know, whatever. But um, <laughs> he said, I'm calling you beyond the friendship love. Y'all have been, have been playing around in the friendship love for a long time. And that's good. That love is good. It's not bad. But I'm calling you deeper. I'm calling you deeper into the, <laughs> into the Ahava love, the deep affection. You know, and it, I, as I read more about it, I read more about the fact that, you know, this, it's, the, it's the love that's in Song of Solomon 8-7. It says, many waters cannot quench love, nor floods can drown it. This, this is the love that cannot be quenched. This is the love that's birthed inside of us that just kind of comes up like a fire. And I can remember back when, when I was dating Joe. You know, let's get practical. I can remember back when I was dating Joe. And I, I, I was like, man, I got this deep affection for this guy, this crazy guy who's a little goofy. I don't know, man. But I wanted to spend every moment with him. I wanted to be around him. I wanted to be in his presence. I didn't care what, what it looked like. I mean, I did, because, you know, you got to be proper and all, but, <laughs> but I, I wanted to be with him. I wanted to hang out with him all the time. I wanted to be next to him. I wanted to be close to him physically. And then as we, as we got married, that increased, and that went even further, and that deep affection love grew, and, and it's to the point where now I'm... I, I go sometimes on, on trips away or he has to go and I'm like, man, where is he? Where is the man that I love? That's, that's, the, that's the love that we should have for God. That was the love that I felt that, that we were being called into as a church, that it wasn't about just, oh yeah, we hang out sometimes, we're friends, high five, good job, I'll see you next week. But he's, we're called into the deep affection love. The deep affection love. That he, we, he would become our obsession. And that's a good thing. That he would become all that our mind thinks about. That we wouldn't even think about the things of this world. That we wouldn't be distracted by all the things that come. And that come up and, and hit us from the side. That we would keep our eyes on him. And that we would go even deeper into that deep affection. That ahava love. And that committed love. That's the thing, too, that I was talking about, and then I'll shut up, but uh, it was talking about how it's a committed love. It's something to, that's a choice. I don't know about you, but there are people in my life that I love, and there are times that I have to say, I am choosing to love you, even though you are being ugly. Now, God is good, and he is good all the time, but he has chosen to love us, even though we are ugly. <laughs> and so we have to choose to follow him 
We have to go after him, have that committed love, that love that even when it doesn't feel good, even when life feels like everything is falling apart, even when we feel like we're in the bottom, in the pit, when nothing's going right, we are committed, saying, God, we know that you are there, and we love you, and we adore you. We're committed. We're walking through this storm. We're walking through this storm, and we're going to go. And Lord, we know you're going to split the sea. (laughs) We know that you're going to split the sea, but we know that we got to walk until you do. (laughs) The songbird, is that you? Oh, that's me, yeah. Yeah, share that. Um, Okay, now I'm I'm like, what? So now he wants to share about the songbird. So a few months ago, a year ago, I don't remember, um, God spoke this word. I remember being at the altar here, I think it was a Wednesday night, and I was just like, God, I was, I was at my own, like, down in the depths. I was at my own moment of, of weakness and brokenness, and what had happened in my life was that I had, I had reached a point where I had major depression issues so bad that I was wanting to run away from my family. I was wanting to completely abandon everything that God had put in my path, everything that God had given me and blessed me with, and I was ready to run and flee. I was like, I can't do this anymore. Life is so crazy, so hectic. I can't. I can't do this anymore. She was a worship leader when she did this, okay? I was still your worship leader. We aren't perfect. So it doesn't matter who you are. Amen. <laughs> I'll repeat that. I was still your worship pastor at the moment, at that time in my life, but I had to press through and keep going because it doesn't matter. We're not perfect up here. We're just a bunch. Jen was saying it this morning. We're a bunch of misfits that just come to worship Jesus. <laughs> So I was at, the, I was at the, the, the pit of despair, and I had just began counseling, and I'd gotten on medication, and I was just trying to get myself mentally in a place where I could face the day. I mean, I can remember. This is, this is bad, and I'm just going to tell on myself. But I can remember there was a week, because my mother-in-law, Tony Sloan, used to come over every Sunday and take care of my kids and get their hair done and get them to church in the morning, because Joe would be on drums. And I remember there was a whole week where I was so low. I was so low that I laid on the couch and faded in and out of sleep. I just laid there while my kids ran around. I think I fed them dry cereal and Pop-Tarts for a week. I didn't give them baths. They came to church the next Sunday, and my mother-in-law was like, this is how I did their hair last Sunday. I'm like, this, this realization dawned on me of oh my word, I was so low. I didn't even bathe my children. I didn't even, I didn't even brush their hair. I didn't even brush their hair. What kind of a mom am I? How, I, I mean, I, I say that to you to, so that you can realize where I was. All I did was lay on the couch and I was just trying to get through the day. And so and this was a little bit into the journey of, of trying, to, trying to find God and trying to, trying to work through this and walk through this and still be a worship pastor and try to, I just try to be mom and figure out life. And I started counseling. And, and so I felt like God was just coming in the room and he was, I was like, God, I don't even know who I am anymore. I don't even know who I am 
Who am I? Who have you made me to be? I've lost myself because I had, I had made all these things that I had to be in my head. I had to be this perfect mom. I had to be the best admin person. I had to be the best this, the best that, the best everything. I had to be all this stuff, but I didn't know what God had made me to be. <laughs> and so God said, he, it's one of those quiet, still moments, and he just spoke, and he said, you're my songbird. And I was like, wow. Okay, what does that mean? You're my songbird. <laughs> and so I began this journey of, of looking at what a songbird is. What does that mean? And he, you know, I just began, like, I would, I remember being at the, at one of the retreats and laying on a trampoline and just listening to the birds. <laughs> and I was like, God, you're, I'm your songbird. What does that mean? I'm listening to the songbirds, but it was that sound of heaven. And God just began to, to say that it's, it's, you, there's a sound, there's a song inside of you. There's a song inside of you that's waiting to be released. And so it's funny because then we fast forward to last week and Pastor Zach's talking about the sonic bloom. And I'm, I'm, he told me this like in his office before and I didn't get it. And then I, I sat there and I was listening and it just was like an explosion of realization happened. You know, he talked about the sonic bloom. I don't know if you were there, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they, the farmers would take the, the sounds of birds, because there's a bird sorted, shortage, 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 and they would play it over their fields. And as they played it over the fields, the fields and the plants would open up, and they would, <laughs> they would begin to receive nutrients. And, the, and the, the songbirds are the ones who awaken the dawn. They're the ones that bring, bring on the, the dawn, the awakening. Y'all following me where I'm going with this? Or am I too out there? And so I was so in awe because I was like, wow, God, you've made me to be your songbird. It's not just about singing songs. It's not just about singing good medleys up here in church. It's about opening my mouth and letting the song of heaven pour forth that will awaken the dawn, awaken the hearts of the people and open them up that they might receive nutrients, that they might receive the word of God, that they might be fed. <laughs> oh, that was my songbird. So that's, that's what I stick on. I'm a songbird. It's awesome. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Grace. Awesome. You're, you know, you're his songbird today. You're sing you got a sound to release. You have a song to sing. When you sing your song, just like Pastor Grace was talking about, when you sing your song, you're opening up the plants all around you, open up to receive the nutrients of the, of the word of the Lord. It's awesome. Awesome, awesome. Ephesians chapter 5, if you have your Bibles. Well, now we'll go to about 2.30, so I hope everybody's ready to... Settle in. <laughs> Just joking, maybe. Ephesians chapter 5. I, I, I won't take a ton of time. <laughs> Apparently, I've been told that's the warning. I've been told that's the warning statement. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 5. Familiar passage, I'm sure, for many of you. You've heard us say it, quote it, preach it, I'm sure. But I, I'm going to ask you to hear it again, maybe a little differently than what you've heard it before. 
Can we do that today? Maybe, maybe you can have ears to hear something a little different today as we've talked about worship and praise and we're in a series on understanding worship and praise. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 18 says, Do not be drunk with wine and which is dissipation, but be filled. Y'all are sounding good this morning. But be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. Now, I just want to just... I'm going to jump back to what Pastor Grace was saying for a moment, and I'm going to talk about be being filled and and what worship looks like. Spirit-inspired worship is what we're going to talk about today. What does spirit-inspired worship look like? But, you know, she, she talked about this songbird, releasing the song of the Spirit. That she becomes, you know, we as worshipers, what happens is we're, as the Holy Spirit begins to download into us the song of heaven, we become the amplifiers. We're, we're not recreating. We're, we're becoming the amplifiers, if you will, of what, what the Spirit is leading and directing. And we begin to, to amplify or to speak out the song of the Lord. We begin to sing out the, the sound of heaven, the song of the Word of God, the, the song of the Holy Spirit, the song, the Word of God. You know, it's not our own words and our, our own creativity, but it's the creativity of heaven being released through us. And, you know, she talked about the, the songbird and awakening the dawn. You know, this is, a, this is an interesting term that David would use that we are to awaken the dawn. It's, a, it's, it's almost, remember, remember Lucifer, what was his... What was his claim to fame? What was it that he wanted to accomplish? He said, I will be like the Most High. I will ascend and be like the Most High. And his, his name is, is shining. It means to be the shining or the radiant one or the, the dawn's light, as, as some translations would interpret that name. In other words, what David is saying, when I sing out my praise, I am, I am taking my authority as a believer and putting the devil where he belongs. It is not his place to awake in the dawn. It's not his authority over creation. I am operating in my authority as a believer. So as a believer, when we awaken the dawn, we sing our songs, our worship in the morning, we, we allow this spirit-inspired worship to, to resonate out of us. We become a, an amplifier. The Holy Spirit comes. The wind of the Holy Spirit breathes on our lives. He's breathing through our life. That's how sound is created, that resonation, the vibration. We become an instrument in the, in the Spirit's hands where he, he plucks us like a string. He plucks us. He plays us. He hits us, you know, whatever the case we need, you know, and we resonate the sound of heaven. We resonate, we vibrate and resonate the sound of heaven, and we're taking our rightful authority as believers saying, devil, I'm not giving you the airwaves. I'm not, I'm not giving you the, the opportunity to resonate your sound. I am, I am resonating the sound of heaven. I am proclaiming the, the songs of the Lord over, over my region, over my house, over, over my city. And you begin to sing the song of the Lord over your life, over your city. Is anybody hear what I'm saying? You're taking authority as a believer operating in the dominion that God gave to believers in the garden. You're operating in that dominion, that level of intimacy with the Lord that the enemy has tried to take back. 
You're, you're claiming your authority as a believer, saying, I'm, I'm the songbird. I'm, I'm going to awaken the dawn. I'm not going to allow the, the enemy to, to snuff out, to silence the song of the Lord with his song. I'm, I'm going to become a resonating device for the Lord. I'm going to become an instrument of praise. Amen? Amen. This, this word, be being filled, be filled, be filled. With the Spirit, it means to be being filled. It's a continuous filling, to be made full of His fullness, John said. Of His fullness in John chapter 1. We have received grace for grace. And so we are drinking, we're receiving in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So everybody say, be being filled. Be being filled. That's you need to be continually filled with the Spirit of God. You, you never reach, God is an eternal God, and you can never reach the apex of filling with the Lord. There's always more. There's always more to discover. There's always more to receive. There's always more to take in. How do we do that? Paul tells us that we are to drink. He, he says it here, don't be drunk with wine. How do you get drunk with wine? You gotta keep drinking. Some translations here, you say you gotta drink deeply. You got to drink deeply of the Spirit. He says, don't be drunk with wine. That's, that leads to sin. Don't do that. But be filled, be drunk. He's making a comparison. Be filled, be drunk, be intoxicated with the Holy Spirit. To take in, to drink in fully. Keep drinking, keep drinking. Sometimes we need our heads held under in the vat of His presence to just keep, keep drinking. If you find yourself dry, have a drink. If you find yourself depressed, have a drink. If you find the joy of your salvation has waned, have a drink. Have a drink of his presence. Drink in the fullness of the Lord. 1 Corinthians 12, 13 says, For by one spirit we were all baptized into one body, whether Jews, Greeks, slave-free, and we've all been what? Made to drink. We've all been made to drink. You are created to drink. You have been fashioned and formed by the Holy Ghost to drink, to receive, to take in the fullness of the Spirit. So you have to train yourself, teach yourself to drink. You have to teach yourself to rest and to drink in the presence of the Lord. We, we want to go, go, go. We want to be busy, 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 all about, the, all about the kingdom work, and we need to be. But that does not exclude us from drinking. If you are all work and no drink, you get what? Dehydrated. You get dry. You got to go to the hospital and they inject you with fluid. And we see this in church. People who get dehydrated spiritually because they're all work and no receiving. And so you've got to learn to receive while you work. They're not mutually exclusive. They happen at the same time. You can drink on the job. You can drink while you work. You can, you can drink while you're working the vineyard field of the Lord. You can drink in the wine of the Holy Ghost all at the same time. Taking in, receiving of the Holy Spirit. 1 Corinthians 10.4 says, And that they all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. And so our drinking, our receiving of the Lord comes as what? As we dive into the Word of God, as we dive into the Scriptures we're drinking. Our drinking happens while we're worshiping and understanding who He is. Our drinking happens as we're praying. 
We drink, we receive, we take in of the Holy Spirit and the revelation of who God is. And, and it is like the wine, it's the wine of the Holy Spirit that is, that is hydrating us and enabling us to, to act. And we're, we're going to take a look at this Spirit-inspired worship. Our worship, our praise and worship, you can, you can make yourself worship. You can make yourself sing songs and your heart is not in it. Well, I'm going to sing a song because Pastor Grace said sing a song. I don't like the song. I don't like the medley, but I'm going to sing it anyway. Right? Right? Well, this isn't my favorite song, but it's, it's worship time, so I guess i got to worship. Amazing Grace. I wonder what Bob Evans is having today. How sweet the sound. Our, Jesus said that their mouth sang the song, they did the right things, but their heart was far from me. So, so we know that not every kind of worship and not every kind of praise is received by the Lord. It's not all spirit-inspired, but that's what the Lord is after, is spirit and truth. He's, he's looking for worship that is both spirit and truth. It is inspired by the Holy Spirit from the truth of His Word. Amen. So spirit-inspired worship. Paul echoes this Ephesians 5, uh, 18, 19, 20, 21 that we just read. He echoes it in, in his letter to the Colossians in Colossians three sixteen. He says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now this, this it used to be that the, the word of God, specifically the psalms, were not taught unless they were accompanied by the music. And so there is, there's power in learning. There's an outflow of, of music and singing that happens in, in spirit-inspired worship. We took a look last week at the Hebrew words for this. I'm going to kind of jump into the Greek uh, this week. But psalms, this first word, psalms, to sing to the Lord, to make melody in your heart with psalms. That word is psalmos. It means to strike or the twang the stringed instrument. It's a striking or twanging on the string to sing a song that is set to music. When, when Paul wrote this, now you have to understand that he's writing to folks that are not from our, our modern day worship style. So when he says psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, he's not thinking about Amazing Grace. Amazing Grace hadn't been written yet, right? So, so when we start talking about, this isn't about styles. What, what Paul is writing here is not about styles. He's talking about God-ordered worship. We embarked on this journey starting last week. We'll continue this week, but God-ordered worship. Psalms, psalmos. It's the singing of a psalm, and the Jewish folks knew exactly what, what Paul was referencing. He was talking about David, the Davidic psalms. He was talking about what we know as the book of psalms, the, the psalms or the songs of the Lord that had been passed down historically. So when he said to sing psalms, we're singing out the psalms of David. We've taken a look at a couple of them over the past couple of weeks and what they mean. But, but when they talked about the psalms singing out, they were talking about the halals and the, the tautas, all these things, the praise of the Lord. That's the psalms. So we're understanding a spirit-led psalm to sing out psalms. And then he said hymns, hymnos, to sing out a song of praise. It's a sacred song. It's addressing God with a lyrical poem. It's uh, to sing a hymn. Again, it's not the, 
It may be amazing grace, but it may not be. The Greeks and the Romans understood this word as a hymn. A hymn was a song that was saying to a ruler or a god or a goddess, addressing them, praising them. And so what, what uh, Paul was doing is he was teaching them, take the... Take the psalm or the, or the hymn rather that you're singing to gods or goddesses or whatever that is, whatever mess that's all about. We're going to do that to God. We're going to sing a sacred song. We're going to sing a holy song to the Lord and praise him for, for all that he's done. Instead of singing songs to the, to the gods or the goddesses or the heroes of this world, we're going to sing songs of praise and honor to God. God for all that he's done and who he is. A hymn. And then there's the, the spiritual songs, the pneumaticos, the spiritual songs. What are pneumaticos? These are songs that are inspired by the Holy Spirit. These are prophetic songs, songs of the Spirit. These are songs, Paul's saying, not only do I want you to understand the historical songs, not only are you going to sing the songs of praise and adoration to a king, but you're going to sing a new song. You're going to sing a song that hasn't been talked about yet. You're going to sing a new song unto the Lord, a song that is spirit-inspired. Does anybody hear me this morning? So a spirit-inspired song, is, it's that spontaneous song. It, it can be set to music, or it, it might be in your own private time where there is no music, but, but each of you have a song that can, that's spirit-inspired on the inside of you. God's waiting for you to release that sound, that sound, singing that song. It just might be as a simple uh, quote, maybe some, something from the spontaneous singing on Sunday that catches, there's a blessed time that's coming, coming soon. And you just begin there's a blessed time. Lord, I thank you that you're coming. Lord, the Spirit and the bride say come. And you just begin to sing out your song. There's a blessing. You just walk through. There's a blessing. You're just on that phrase. There's a blessed time that's coming. Coming soon. And then you go back and forth between song and praise. Going back between singing this, this song of declaration to a song of thanksgiving. Thank you, Jesus, that you're coming. That you've prepared a home for me. That, 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 you, are, that you have uh, gone away, but you're coming again to bring me to where you are. That I'm going to live with you for all eternity. That, Lord, you're, the day of judgment, the day of recompense is coming, Lord. And you've chosen me. You've, you've poured out your love to towards me. You're committed to me, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen? And so you just begin to sing out your song to the Lord. Lord, I thank you. And it just might be a, you know, a phrase, just one simple phrase, but it's a, it's a spirit song. It's a pneumaticos. It's, a, it's the wind of the spirit. Now, I want you to understand this. What does 2 Timothy 3.16 say about the word of God? That it is all God-breathed. It's spirit-inspired. And so what God did, the Holy Ghost breathed on man, inspiring them, breathing on them the word of the Lord. Y'all follow? What did the Holy Spirit do in creation? He was, if you go back to Genesis, he was hovering. The Holy Spirit was hovering. He is pneuma, the, the pneuma. The, the ruash, the breath, the wind of the Holy Spirit was breathing, hovering. Life was being given. Now, take that pneumaticos word, pneuma, the breath, the wind of the Holy Spirit, where we get pneumatics and all the words related to wind or, or breath. The Holy Spirit is inspiring. He's releasing in you creativity. Now, I just want you to think about this for a second. 
We have a God who is meticulously detailed in all of his creation. I want you to think about the creativity of the Lord, that at a spoken word, the creative nature and all that happens, not just in the creation around us, think about his word that he's spoken over your life and how that spoken word, you know, the, the prophets in, in scripture, when the, when the word of the Lord came, there was no question as to whether or not this was going to happen. When God spoke a word, it was done. When God speaks, it's accomplished. He can't speak something that's not being fulfilled. When it is his nature to create. It's his nature to speak. I I, I think about this in your life. What is the Lord singing over you? What What song is the Holy Spirit singing over you right now? There's a song being sung by the Lord over your life. He's singing a song of joy. He's singing a song of hope. He's singing, I don't know if you hear anything I'm saying. He's singing a song. I don't know, I don't know where you're at today or what, what situation in life you might be facing. But right now, God is singing a song over you. You can tap into the enemy's song. You can tap into the song of depression. You can tap into the discouragement and the fear. Or you can, like Pastor Grace was singing this morning, I am a child of God. I am no longer bound to the chains of fear. I am a child of the King. And begin to sing out the song of the Lord. He's put a new song in your heart. That's what David said. He's put a new song in my mouth. They will see and hear it. I'll talk about that in a second, but they'll see and hear the sound of the Lord, the song of the Lord. Are you singing the song of the Lord over your life? This spiritual song, pneumatikos, this spiritual song. And give thanks, always. Always give thanks. You know, it's hard to give thanks in our natural man, but when you're filled with the Spirit, if you're drinking of the Holy Ghost, it's easy to give thanks because all of a sudden you're no longer operating in your own strength and your own ability, seeing things through the natural eyes. You're seeing through the eyes of the Spirit. You're, it, when you get drunk, you've ever seen anybody drunk? If, you, if you've seen the drunk, they're happy. They, they're, they got a song to sing. When you drink in the Spirit, there's a song that's birthed on the inside of you by the Holy Ghost. Sing it out. I said last week, I'll mention it again, because of commercialization of music, because of the commercialization, we compare ourselves. Well, I don't sing as good as Pastor Grace does, so I shouldn't sing. It used to be that everybody would sing, mamas would sing over over their children, Used to be that used to be a mean, especially depending on where you're from, and in, you know in the world wherever your your family, you know history, genealogy and such are from. There was different different modes, methods, and tones and sounds of singing. But but most of most of the backgrounds that any of us are from, mamas were singing over their children as a means for the children to know where mama was. You know, she might be washing dishes and the kids are off playing, but mama's singing and it's keeping the kids in line. They know where mama's at. Don't get, if you can't hear the music, if you can't hear the sound, you've gone too far, right? How many mamas in the room have ever said, if I can't see you, right? So the sound, the sound was carried, it was protective. 
singing this song. It was a, it was a melody. It was passing down the, the traditions and the stories of the family from one generation to the next. We talked about this last week, that they were shabaking, shouting into the next generation the works of the Lord. So you're singing the works of the Lord from one generation to the next. The men would sing their, in the, in the mountain Appalachians, you, for those of you, the Kentucky, you get out in Kentucky, the men were singing the, 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 the lonesome sound, you know, those, those how, how would you call that? What would you call that? The high lonesome sounds, the, the, the twingy, twiny, yeah. And that was, they were passing on the traditions and the sounds that, the, the, right, it was the bagpipes because they were coming from the, the Scots, coming over from Scotland, and that was the sound they were creating, that high lonesome sound. And what happened, so everybody, why am I talking about all this? was the sound. This was normal. Singing your song was normal. My point in saying all this is that we are created with the song. Each of us have a sound. And what happened is the commercialization of that song, the, the the, the commercial industry, and we've started comparing ourselves. Well, I don't sound like this person or that person. Or if I want a song, I'll just go out to iTunes and get it. Or I'll go to the local store and buy a CD, if those even exist anymore. You plug in my iPod or my, my iPhone, whatever. And you've got a sound, right? And we've, we've become dependent, just like we've got a preacher who will tell me the word. I've got a sound. Somebody else can generate it. I don't need to do it for myself. But you have a sound, you have a song that the Holy Spirit is stirring on the inside of you that you need to release, to let it out. Let it go, let it go. Okay, maybe not that song. Then he says, I want you to be in submission to one another. Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Submitting to one another. There it is. That's in the Bible. You can't black that out with a magic marker. It's there. (laughs) Submitting to one another. That means to come into order under someone. Here we are again, this word order. It's coming up again as relation to worship. We come in order. We become a symphonic orchestra. We, We come together in order under the direction, lead master, director, Holy Spirit, who directs us and and orders us and orchestrates us in a sound of worship corporately. This is Ephesians 5 is, is talking about personal, but, but, but also corporately. That corporately we are being organized and ordered in submission under one another to create a sound. You can't have everybody wanting to make the same tone on the same thing. You, you have a group of people that have been ordered to make that sound, and then you have another group of people that are ordered to make that. So don't compare yourself to a person who makes a different noise than you do. You're going to have some people here today who, who are just going to be very loud and very boisterous in their sound to the Lord. Amen. And there's a place, there's a time and a season for all of us to have our halals with the Lord. We need to have our crazy worship with the Lord. But some of us are going to be more, more given and ordered and orchestrated to, to be a different sound. You're going to have some people that are the drums. They're just going to march. And then you have other people that are going to be the, the flutes. And they're going to be the high, the happy. And everywhere they go, and everywhere they go, they're just happy before the Lord. They're dancing and cheery everywhere they go. 
Then you're going to have some of them that are the saxophones. They got the jazz thing going and they're just, they're grooving. They're, they're just, they're in a groove. They're in a rhythm and that's okay. Everybody's got their sound. They're, everybody's their own instrument before the Lord created uniquely. But get your sound, however the Lord has created you, let it come out. Let it come out. You might be the simple little flute, but you might be the the complex drums and the cymbals, whatever it is. You might be the piano. Whatever sound, let it come out. Come into order under the Lord. Come in order, in submission, and see what melody the Lord will create with us. You know what? When you live a life of worship, when you're, where you're living this personally, in your private time, in your time every day, not just on Sundays or Wednesdays, every day walking this out, what begins to happen is your instrument is getting tuned. When, we, when, our, when our musicians come together, and Pastor Grace, Mike, you'd help me with this, but they've got to get their instruments tuned. They've got to get their instruments in order. They've got to get set up. There's preparation that happens. They just don't show up here at 10 a.m. on Sundays and start playing. I'm sure they wish they did. <clears throat> but they, they, our, our worship team and, and everybody's here, what, 7, 7.30? And they're, they're here practicing and preparing and, and knowing the, the key changes and the, and the flow of the worship and hearing from the Lord. What's the direction that we're going? You just don't, you and I don't just show up on Sunday expecting, oh, we're going to be finely tuned orchestra today. Yeah. No, we've got to live this out during the week. We've got to have unity during the week. We've got to have relationship during the week. We've got to be doing life together during the week. We've got to be tuning our instruments during the week. We have to be in tune to pneumaticos during the week. We have to allow the Holy Spirit to breathe on the reeds of our life during the week so that we can get tuned and and stay in tune and be useful as an instrument in the Master's hand. Is this making sense to you today? So, so when we get together on Sunday, we've lived a week of living in tune and being useful in the master's hand and, and knowing the flow of the Holy Spirit and, and knowing the sound of heaven that's being released through us. And so when we come together, we're one big corporate sound. We're one big corporate unified body making a joyful noise unto the Lord. Amen. So I want to talk about this spirit-inspired worship. Psalms 40, verse 3 says, He's put a new song in my mouth and praise to our God. Many will see it. Phone in the Greek. It's, the, it's, to, it's to hear. He's talking about hearing and seeing a sound. I want you to think about this for a second. John in Revelation talked about this. He said, when I heard the sound, I turned to see him who spoke. And he saw, what did he see? He saw the the voice of many waters. He saw him who was standing there. So there is a, as a result of the sound that is released, light comes. I want you to understand this. As a result of the sound, you're singing your song and it releases a light. It releases a visual. It brings... Jesus did this. He used parables. When he talked, he said he talked in parables in a way that they could see what he was saying. He taught in a way that they could see what they were saying. He brought, he brought the sound of heaven and aligned it with the light. He was the light and sound. 
In him was the light and it was the life of men. Releasing sound and light. Your song is not just a sound to be heard. It brings light to be seen. Your sound is not just a song to be heard. It's releasing a light to be seen. Arise and shine for your what your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. You're coming into agreement with what heaven's doing. When you begin to release your song, you're coming into agreement with what heaven is doing. You're coming into agreement with the light of God that is rising, the revelation of God, who he is that's rising upon you. You're coming into agreement with and releasing over your life, over yourself, over your children, over your family, you're releasing sound and light, revelation of who God is. You're coming into agreement. Now, in the, in the Greek, the word for worship is proskuneo. In the Greek, the word for worship is proskuneo. It means to, to fall in submission. It means to fall down, to prostrate oneself, or to kneel before, to proskuneo. It's the same, work in, same word in the Hebrew, uh, shakah, and it means the same thing, to fall prostrate before or to kneel before. We saw last week when we talked about the seven Hebrew words of praise that they all involved a bodily function. Worship's the same way. There is a bodily activity coming into alignment and agreement with what we're saying. So when we worship, when we praise, we're bringing our bodies into alignment with what we're saying. If you're saying, God, you're great, and I worship you, I praise you, I declare your majesty, your body comes into alignment with that. You say, well, I'm not very demonstrative. Well, sometimes your, your worship, you might fall on your face before the Lord. You might kneel before him. But your body, you're bringing yourself under the Spirit's direction into alignment with what you're saying. Proskuneo, you're, you're kneeling down, you're worshiping him. Shaka, you're falling down, you're worshiping him. Think about, I want you to go with me in your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. Now this is, we're talking about Mary this morning, but this isn't just a Christmas message, this is an eternal message. Luke chapter 1 and verse 38. I want to show you the power of worship here. Then Mary said, verse 38, then Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord. I want you to pause. What has happened here? The angel of the Lord has showed up to Mary and said, you, you the woman, <laughs> you, you are about ready to have baby Jesus. And what was her reply? Verse 38, Mary said, behold, the maidservant of the Lord, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. That, that word, that act of worship, that place of worship that Mary found herself in. Let it be according to your word. That's what we're doing in worship. We're coming into agreement with the word of God. We're coming into agreement with what God has said about himself, what his word says, what the spirit of the Lord is revealing to us through the word of what he, who God is. And so we're saying, just like Mary, let it be unto me according to your word. I praise you. I will worship you according to your word spirit and truth. And what happened to Mary that minute that she said, let it be. I don't know what it looks like. I don't know how this is going to happen. What do you mean the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow me again? Holy Spirit's inspired creation. The Holy Spirit involved in creation here. I don't know how this is going to work. The Holy Spirit's going to, what? 
<laughs> you know, Joseph and I aren't married, right? <laughs> We're going to shock some people real soon. And breathed on her, and she said, let it be unto me. That place of submission, that place of worship birthed her destiny. When you and I step into agreement with the word of the Lord, what he's saying over our lives, you stop fighting him, stop arguing with him, stop trying to do it in your own strength and our own ability. You step into agreement with and say, yes, Lord, let it be to me. Let, at your word, let it be unto me. At your word, at your spermos, let it be unto me. Your word, let it be unto me. And it will birth in me the destiny you've intended for me to have. That's the power of worship. That's the power of worship. It brings you into a place to receive all that God has for you. Are you with me this morning? So, so this happens, and Mary goes what? She goes over to Elizabeth's house. John, she's pregnant with John the Baptist. John the Baptist leaps, and Elizabeth prophesies. Elizabeth prophesies over Mary. And what was Mary's response? Again, spirit-inspired worship. Mary sings her song. My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. She, she stepped in. Worship brought her to a place to receive the promises of God, and worship with this continued worship inspired by the the prophetic word of the Lord continues her on propels her down this path of seeing the promises of God fulfilled she could have stayed Mary could have stayed in this place of woe is me you know look what God did to me really <laughs> Look what happened to me. I said yes, and look what happened. I'm pregnant. I said yes to the Lord, and, and, and look what's happening. Everybody's rejected me. My friends and my family have left me. Joseph thinks I'm crazy. He's trying to put me away. But she goes to, to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth prophesies over her. The power of your worship. Can I just pause there for a moment and just take note of Elizabeth's prophecy here? You don't know what, what maybe someone else is going through that your worship will break them out of. I'll say that again. Someone around you, someone that you encounter, might need a word of encouragement from the Lord. And, and you don't know that, that that one song, that one prophetic song, that one word, as you sing it over them, as you speak that word over them, breaks them out of that bondage, breaks them out of that depression, breaks them out of that discouragement. So, so sing your song. Sing your song for yourself, but, but know that in singing your song and speaking that word, you might see breakthrough come to someone else. So Mary, Mary was singing her song. You got Paul, remember Paul and Silas. I won't take, in Acts 16, I won't take the time to go through and read of it. But Paul and Silas were, were what? They were in the prison. They had been beaten. The, the slave girl had been, notice, different types of worship here. Slave girl proclaiming right truth, wrong motive. 
You can sing the right song with the wrong motive. The slave girl, she was, these are servants of the Most High. What she was saying was absolute truth. Right. Wrong motive. You would hear it on the server. Anybody else would think, oh, that's a, she's worshiping God. She's thanking God. Wrong motive. She wanted to be seen. She wanted to make money. Unfortunately, that's the trap that many musicians in today's culture find themselves in. They're trapped by the slave girl mentality that wants to make money and get notoriety for a song that they're singing. They're singing, saying the right things, but the wrong attitude. Don't allow the, we talked about David two weeks ago, don't let the gold, the glory, and the tax write-off keep you from, from fulfilling your purpose and your destiny. You get trapped in the, the worldly motivation for worship. But here's, here's Paul and Silas, They're, and they cast the devil out, and that what, ends them up in prison. That's a great ministry. Let's set the, let's set the captives free, and now we're going to put you in prison for it. Thank you, Paul and Silas. We appreciate that. And that's what happened. But at the midnight hour, at the, at the darkest place, at the lowest place, they begin to sing out their hymnos. They begin to sing out that, that spirit-inspired song. Instead of talking about all of the, the heroes of yesterday and the, the songs of what this God or goddess did, no, they begin to sing out songs of praise to God. Thank you, God, that you're our Savior. Thank you, Jesus, that you're our Redeemer. Thank you, Jesus, that you set the captives free. Thank you, Jesus, that we might be in physical chains, but you've liberated us. You've brought victory to our life. And they begin to sing out their songs. Victory in Jesus, my Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with his redeeming blood. Yep. And they sang out, they sang out their song. They sang out their song to the Lord. I am a child of God. <laughs> I am a child of God. Singing out their song. And the ground began to shake. You know, we I said this last week. So a couple of people said that they felt the ground shaking while we were worshiping. The presence of the Lord began to shake that ground. Things began to happen. Angels began to show up. Lights began to go on. Jailers began to, oh my goodness. When you, let me tell you, when, when people really begin to worship, things begin to happen. Yeah. You, can, you can go and, and, and sit somewhere where nobody's worshiping. No, there's no heart of worship. It's just, let's sing our song. And, you, and you're going to walk out with the same thing you came in with. But you take somebody like a Paul and Silas who's going to worship their way through that jail. It doesn't matter if, they, if they're there three days or 30 days. They're going to worship their way through that. Things start shaking. Things start happening in the spirit world. Things start happening in the natural. You take a body of people. I wonder what would happen if there would be somebody and some people at Celebration Church who would just begin to understand the power of their worship. If they just begin to understand the power of their praise and begin to exalt the Lord, magnify Him and glorify Him and praise Him in spite of how they feel or the circumstance that they're in or the reality of the mess the region might be in and say, you know what? It doesn't matter 
matter what, you, you can go out and do your devil mapping and figure out every stronghold and know the spiritual history and lineage and this and that, the other of a region. But none of that matters because God has spoken his word over this region and every plan and purpose that God has spoken over this place will come to pass. And I'm gonna worship him anyway. There might be a stronghold of opiate addiction, but my God is bigger than, than that opiate addiction. There might, there might be a stronghold of sin over a re- but we're gonna just kick the devil in the mouth one more time and glorify God. We're gonna follow the example of our heavenly high priest and just squash him. Our heel's gonna meet contact with your face, devil. We're gonna put it right there and squash it down. That's where you're worshiping. You're worshiping God and all of those, all things begin to shake loose. People get born again. Chains get broken. The light of his glory comes on. He exposes the darkness. Get your, get your worship on. I want to keep going, but I don't know if I have time. Matthew, I'll give you one more. Some of you are saying, okay, it's time to stop, Pastor. It's okay. Hold on. I'm, I'm wrapping this up. <laughs> Pastor Grace, why don't you all come back? Matthew 2. Matthew chapter 2. Matthew chapter 2. Oh, man. I'm, I'm going to have to pick this up again next week. Okay. Well, not next week. Maybe the week after. Next week's kids... Matthew chapter 2. This is good. This, this is where it gets really good. Going back to the foundation. Before I jump into this, Jesus, Jesus, what was his name? Emmanuel, God with us. He was the restoration. We've been talking about the restoration of the tabernacle of David. Jesus was the beginning of that. He was the beginning of that restored tabernacle. Remember, 400 years, 400 years, there had been no word from the Lord. They had, they had done all the religious rituals. They'd done all the rites, the rituals, all the sacrifice. Everything had been maintained, kept going, but no word, no intimacy, dry. And then in steps, you got John the Baptist. You got all these players here at Jesus' coming, and we'll, we'll talk about them. The beginning of the restoration of the tabernacle of David. But let's look at some, some wise guys here. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise guys from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to what? Worship. Proskuneo. We have come to bow down, to fall down, to prostrate ourselves before him and worship him. Now what on earth would cause these wise guys to set out on a journey across the desert to go and see Jesus. What I don't know about you, but I'm not jumping to get on a donkey or a camel and go on a couple of months, few months journey. I mean, that's what we're talking about. How many of you are going to jump at that opportunity, right? I can tell you that's not going to be the most comfortable ride. And that's what they did. They set out on a journey. See, the, the star, they saw the star. These were the, these were the smart guys. These were the scientists. These were the astronomers. These were people that, that knew 
they, they knew, they had studied. And they, for, they, they forsake their peers. They, they left all that they knew. They were ridiculed. You're, you're doing what? You're going on a journey because of a star? And they, they left all of that, went out on a journey. You see, the star was what compelled them to go. They saw a star. It was a, it was a prophetic symbol. There was a stirring in their spirit. But worship is what motivated them. They were compelled by seeing a star, but worship was the motivation. They came to worship. You see, when Jesus came, you've got the, you've got the sound of the angels, the angelic choir singing in the shepherds. You've got, you've got Elizabeth and Mary and Zachariah, and you've got the, the shepherds. All of these people involved in worship, releasing a sound when Jesus was born worship, the restoration of the tabernacle of David coming to worship. So don't be filled with your own ideas and concepts about worship, but be filled with the Spirit. Don't be filled with the carnality of the world that teaches you got to have a certain style or or fad or trend to worship the Lord. I, there, there's, a, there's a lot of, I think it's good, but there's, you know, that there's all sorts of styles and trends out there. But we, we oftentimes base how we worship on a style or a trend or a passing fad and not the order that God has ordained. Hello, is anybody out there? So we base our worship on God-ordered worship. Be filled with the Spirit. Allow the Spirit to inspire and direct your worship. Let it, let it be a melody out of your heart. That's the, that's the last thing I want to close up with. Verse uh, Ephesians chapter 5. It says, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. All of these things we've talked about are an overflow of your heart. All of these things, this worship unto God, this praise unto God is an overflow of your heart. Is there a spirit-inspired worship on the inside of you? Is there a spirit-stirred worship on the inside of you? It's the overflow of your heart. If you say this morning, you know, I have a hard time worshiping. Are you receiving in of the spirit? Are you drinking in? Because as you drink in, as you take in of who he is, it, it's inspiring worship. Thank you for joining the Celebration Podcast. For more information, visit ccacron.org or call us at 330-762-7458. You can also download the Celebration app from iTunes or the Android store. With my father, it's so hard.